This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And your sous chef of the garden show, Frank Proctor, along with James Dooley and the production room there. Uh, the the terrific trio. 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 Troika. Troika. We the used to troika. be a Troika, yeah. Yeah, the terrific Troika, wasn't I, it? I like that. Hmm. Triumphant Troika. We all got up, and you were almost late. Uh, well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I went back to sleep. Uh, okay, look, look. I'm just showing you this oh, picture. Okay, yeah. Look, look at this. No. Okay, that's Stanley Rozak. I just found this, Stanley, if you're listening, to show Frank. Stanley works at the Centennial Greenhouses, right. uh, which are, uh, we've got it all right here, actually. I mentioned this last week. Mm-hmm. They, they've, got, they've got Centennial Park Conservatory Chrysanthemum Show started last week, and it runs right through until November 24th. It's at 151 Elmcrest Road, open daily, 10 mm-hmm. to 5. Admission, of course, is free. I guess they were very busy last weekend. They had pie, but they ran out. They had parking, but they ran out. Uh, the chrysanthemums are absolutely amazing, and Stanley is a huge mover and shaker behind growing. And I remember ornamental. him being on the air with us uh, last year, what, a couple of years. No, he was last year. Last year, yeah. Excited, exuberant, just passionate. A lot of fun. Yeah, just oh. a lot of fun. So this year, because you know he's done the chrysanthemums, which of course he did again. Right. He decided to try something he's never done, which is to create the largest poppy in the world, and that's what you see in this photograph from the Etobicoke Guardian, which I just brought up on the screen for Frank to see. It will be on display starting tomorrow and on Monday. It's about five and a half feet tall and another five and a half feet wide. It's made from a grid, like a wire grid with floral mm-hmm. foam inserted under right. the grid. And then over 700 blooms of red chrysanthemum have been cut and inserted into the foam to make this monster poppy. Now, this is important. This is going to be on display from 1 to 4 tomorrow Mm -hmm. at the uh, Conservatory's Chrysanthemum Show. That's right. And what a wonderful way to... Uh, commemorate veterans, all the veterans. That's right, and Remembrance Day, which is Monday, so it will Mm -hmm. be on display, obviously, Monday as well. And as Stanley said, as long as it looks good, they'll probably keep it on display. So, you know, it might be out for a week or so, because mums are wonderful, long-lasting flowers. And you have no idea how much money that uh, Stanley paid, Charlie, (laughs) to get this fabulous commercial on the air, even before I gave the phone numbers, for heaven's sake. Well, I knew you were going to say, what are you doing on this computer? Well, I'm still saying that. Uh, <laughs> the Garden Show, hosted by Charlie Dobbin. Well said. And assisted, you know, in a little way with uh, yours truly. Only minimally. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, here are the phone numbers. In Toronto, <laughs> 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And oh, yes... There is a mantra to the show, and it is call early, call often. One question per call, or 
patrolman proctor will pull you over and give you a ticket and mention to James, the first person to whom you will speak, uh, mention your first-time caller and... That will happen. You'll get your wings. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so the reason why mm. I you know, want you to understand that you are strictly the sous chef or undergardener of the show exactly. is because I really don't want your head getting blown any bigger than it already is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Well. But, well, and of course, if you're wondering why I'm sounding so mean, it's because I did get a very nice piece of mail today yeah. uh, from Kim Koshel. Now, of course, you know who Kim is. <laughs> yes, I do. She's president for life of the International Frankie Proctor Fan Club. <laughs> now, she has offered me and sent me my very own membership card with a big congratulations. Charlie Dobbin, you are the latest member of this elite fan club. <laughs> Here are a few ways to be a member. Now, listen up. If you want to be a member, because, you know, Frank is always looking for more members for the fan club. does <laughs> stroke his ego, after all. So here are a few ways. Number one, you must enjoy Frankie's funny bones. I guess that's a, that's a little joke segment you do. That's right. I do on um, Saturdays. Right. So you got to enjoy that. Number two, you must enjoy Frankie's wild and wacky sense of humor. Well, you pretty much do that seven days a week, exactly. 24 hours a day. Yes. Uh, number three, you must enjoy the following music. Uh, number one, Nat King Cole. Frank, number two, Frankie Lane. Number three, Our Lady Ella Fitzgerald. Number four, Sassy Sarah Vaughan. And Live Life to the Fullest. That's, there I guess, number are. four. Yeah. yeah. So that's from Kim. She is, like I said, she's only written here president, but it should say president for life of the International <laughs> Frank Proctor Fan Club 2013. So thank you. Thank and you, you for that, Kim. And you are now the eighth member. Oh, I'm up to eight. Up to eight. You're up to eight, so I should I, say. I'm up. Yes, now, yes. Kim offered that if my cat wanted to join, she'd be well, <laughs> willing to make a, make a membership card for him. I just have to provide the name. Yeah, I forgot half of my members are of the animal variety. Hey, and I've got a cat club. I mean, I've got my cat. I've got yeah. the homeless cat. <laughs> who's living in my backyard. I've got two neighbor cats. and Well, and a third neighbor. I've got three. I have five cats hanging this, out. I could I double. Can, I could double yeah, my membership. I better give her some names. We Yes. All right. I'm all on. right, Kim, look uh, out. The I'm mail's on. coming your way. <laughs> okay. Uh, can I right. just do my announcements? Or oh, did yeah, you want to yeah, go yeah, for sure. a No, no, first? go, go right there, Are you ahead. sure? It's okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's not a all, lot. We get all the time in the well, – hardly any. Go ahead. All right. So just to remember <laughs> that the Royal Winter Fair is still on again this weekend. It's over tomorrow. So get down there if you can. It is such a, such a great show. And, of course, I drove by all the – the action there as I was driving here today. We are close to the exhibition place here at the Zoomerplex. Uh, one big announcement from the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society. They're having their annual general meeting this Tuesday, November the 12th at 7.30. There will be a free lecture on Christmas decorations. And as well, there's a mini show celebrating summer's bounty. So, of course, a mini show means a competition. But it's a show where people bring from home whatever the rules are to the Celebrating Summer's Bounty Show uh, stuff. It might be vegetables, it might be flowers, whatever it is. Could be anything. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Could be leaves off the lawn. (laughs) Um, Guests, of course, are welcome. Refreshments are included. They meet at the Scarborough Village Community Center, 3600 Kingston Road at Markham Road. And is that that'll well, be it for now? For now, okay. Because uh, we more. do have to kind of push along. Speaking Speak of pushing, pushing along, I'm getting out of the way. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, almost decked her again. I'm telling you, I was just doing my sideways arm movements, and now way up high, way uh, up high, Frank. Okay, why is he doing Make this? Make me six feet tall. <laughs> put my arms right up there. I just heard an advertisement from yeah. uh, somebody who sells clothes for short men. Oh yeah, brown. Oh well. <laughs> 
Maybe maybe they'll start to advertise here at the station. Oh, where, where oh. were you listening? I was listening to the traffic. Okay, oh, you're I right. Okay. I was on another station. <laughs> All right. I thought that was pretty funny. Special clothes for men up to five foot eight. Anyway, we, the reason we're, Frankie's trying to stretch and tall. And she's looking at me. Yes, okay. And, and touch the ceiling is because he's been taking his Sierra Cell, which helps keep him limber and loose and pain-free. Right. Oh. Limber, loose, and pain-free, that's me. I think he's pretty much loose all the time. Limber, I'm not so sure about. But yes, pain-free is important because boomers who want to maintain the kind of lifestyles with the freedom to get be active and, you know, you mm-hmm. had your grandbabies over for the night. Yeah, you, it was all... There you Fun. go. That's another story. But yeah. bottom line is Sierra Sill is something that's worked for both Frank and I. Uh, it may work for you. Give them a call, one eight seven seven joint 14 Check them on the web, sierrasill.ca, or pick up Sierra Sill at many health food stores, including Noah's Natural Foods, Eglinton & Young, St. Clair & Young, and Bloor Street in Toronto. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, Charlie, uh, just glancing at our screen that uh, was so ably filled by James uh, Dooley, it is uh, obviously going to be a busy morning. Leona in Port Colborne. Good day and welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Charlie and Master S. I have a question about lilies. Mm -hmm. Now, I planted one last fall, and it grew and grew and grew. It's about four feet tall. Excellent. What do I do with it? Oh, just leave it alone. It's outside, right? Yes. Oh, perfect. And it's in the ground, I hope. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And we're talking like a real lily, like an Easter lily kind of lily. No, it's a real lily. Like I bought it from a place that sells bulbs and stuff. Yeah. And it had... Pretty close to 20 flowers on it. Wow. All summer. Nice. Just beautiful. All right, so the trick with lilies, and what you did is perfect. You plant it in the ground as soon as you buy it, whether mm-hmm. fall or spring, because they are available both seasons. Mm-hmm. goes in the ground right away. It grows up, obviously, in your case, it's a big, tall one, which is fine. Many of them are, get huge. And once they finish flowering, we do take the flowers off, just with some pruners or secateurs, remove the flowers, but leave the stem... And I have the same thing. I have like a four-foot lily stem standing at the front of my house, and it, it's just slowly but surely frost is going to knock it down. Once it's completely knocked down, I will just cut it off at ground level, and next spring it'll come up from, oh, from the bottom. Yeah, it's all good. And the fact that you've left it being green this many months is great because the bulb is going to be that much bigger. So if you had 26 blooms, plan for 52 next year. And I I have also have another one that I got for um, Mother's Day. I believe. Yeah. Can I take and put that out in the yard? I would. Yep. Okay. It's a, it's not going to survive indoors. If you're going to keep it, you have to keep it outdoors, underground. Okay. Very uh, good. All right. Thanks, Leona. Thanks, okay. Bye bye. Have a good day now, and thank you for joining us here on the Garden Show from AM seven forty Zoomer Radio. Hey, how about this? Get the bell out, Frankie. First-time caller, Ted, on the line. Good morning, Ted. Yes, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I wondered if it was too late in the year to plant a rosebush. Um, it's not optimal. Optimally, you would have done it a little earlier, a full month ago. However, right. if, if your only option is, if you don't have any option other than to plant it, I would do so. Um, okay. So you know what I mean? You can't leave it above ground. 
You don't want to bring it in the house. Uh, it's got to go in the ground. Now, if, if sometimes what we do is we'll leave it in the pot and then we'll just bury the pot for the winter and then do a final planting in the spring if the garden's not quite ready. But if you've got the right spot all ready to go, I would get, <clears throat> excuse me, get it in the ground. If you have any bone meal, definitely throw a handful of bone meal into the planting hole. Or if you have transplant or fertilizer, something just to encourage roots to grow as the first priority. Uh, Of course, firm it into place, water thoroughly, and go visit it throughout the winter if we don't have a lot of snow. Plants that are planted late in the fall will sometimes get uh, forced out of the soil as the soil freezes and thaws. Since they don't have roots yet to hold, you know, anchor them into the ground, they'll sometimes get forced up and out. So just keep an eye. And if you do see it starting to move up and out, then just jam it back down into the ground and it'll be ready to go in the spring. Okay, good luck with that. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much. That's great, Ted. Thanks for joining the show. And hey, how about this? Another first-time caller, Helena, calling in from Mission Hill. Now, i got to find out where Mission Hill is. Good morning, Helena. Good morning. Good morning. Where, where good morning. exactly are you located? Where are you located? <laughs> I know. Mission Hill. Richmond Hill, not Mission Hill. <laughs> Helena is my neighbor. Oh. <laughs> That's you all know, right. James you know, the, 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 um the audience should know that your voice is just as attractive as your looks. Oh, thank you. And that's your voice and your, ma- and your looks match the same. Oh, I thought you were you. talking to me. Yeah. Look <laughs> <laughs> <Good> at <for> you. <laughs> Anyhow, I have a problem with my hibiscus plant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a small bush. I've had it for 10 years in my solarium. Mm-hmm. But I noticed the other day that all of these looked as though they'd been sprayed with lacquer. They were very shiny mm. and drooping. Mm. And then when I looked closely at it, they had white little spots all over them, mm. and it was very sticky. Mm-hmm. When I touched the leaves, they were very, very sticky. Right. I don't know what's wrong with it. Well, you know what it is. There's an insect that has infested that plant. Uh-huh. Uh, the sticky stuff you're feeling is actually the, the sap from inside the plant. Oh, really? And the insects have poked little holes into the leaves, now uh-huh. you know, microscopic holes, yeah. and then they've moved on to poke a hole somewhere else. And when they leave that spot, the nectar or the sap drips out through those little microscopic holes. So it's oh. not a good sign at all. The little white things you're seeing, do they move or when you do they fly, anything like that? No, no, no. Very tiny little dots, white little dots. Yeah, those oh. could be the eggs. How do I, how do I get rid of the... Uh, the shyness, the leaves seem to be drooping. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't seem very healthy. Yes, well, the best thing you can do right now, and it's, it is it's quite a fair-sized plant, I believe, isn't it? It is. I've had it for 10 years. Yeah. I've never had that problem before. Is... Every year it will bloom and have fresh uh, growth on it, you mm-hmm. know. And this year, it's, is it showing much fat, fresh growth? A little bit, yes, yes. Any blooms on it right now? No, not, 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 not lately, no, no. Okay. So not pro- the, the easiest thing to do would be to cut it back so that uh-huh. there's less plant to, to spray because the smaller the spray area, the easier it is to do the spraying. When you're cutting back, you're going to have a garbage bag handy and anything you cut off goes directly into a garbage bag. Uh-huh. So now yes. you've got a... Sm- I was wondering, Charlie, would the other plants be affected by it? Perhaps. Oh, I hope not. Depends on what the other plants are. Well, it's 
Yeah, and, not so much. Trying, I don't know the name of it. Well, afraid. but hibiscus. Most of them are geraniums. Yeah. Well, they are not so bad. Hibiscus are particularly tasty. That's yeah. the trick with hibiscus. So that's they have sweet sap. Insects love it. So some cutting oh, back. I see. And some what, spraying. What causes the shininess? This, pardon? What causes the shine? The shiny is the sap, and the sap is oh, from I inside. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of getting out a proper spray, like Bug mm-hmm. Be Gone will work perfectly. Do I, do I spray it with soapy water? You can, but I would go to the store and get some Bug Be Gone if you can. Get, It'll be get what? Bug Be Gone. Oh, I'll be gone. <laughs> okay. okay. Helena, I'm sorry, my love. I'm Great getting wild gestulations from the uh, studio opposite us, the control room. James is saying, we're running late for our commercial break. Okay. Thank you so Thanks, much, Helena, for the call. And uh, we'll be back with more calls. In fact, a couple of first-timers coming up, including, well, not John. He's holding tight there in Mississauga. But we'll get to you very, very shortly indeed. So... Uh, on with uh, our little commercial break here, which yes. always is fun because I get a chance to exercise. I'm getting up right now, and I'm going to be walking around the studio. As long as he's not doing the spandex thing, we're okay. Hello, doggies. <laughs> <laughs> he puts on that cape, you know, and he starts flying around thinking he can just do anything. But bottom line is Frank is an active person, and he likes to do be active and silly and make us all giggle, so that's good. Uh, now, of course... The reason Frank is able to stay active and and silly is because he does take his Sierra Sil on a daily basis. Three little pills, completely natural mineral supplement, which makes those... I take mine before I go bitty buys. There you go. Keeps those joints from Mm. getting sore, which happens for all of us as we get older. And, you know, it's nice to be limber as possible. So Sierra Sil is something that may work for you. Give them a call. 1-877-JOINT-14. Or check them on the web, sierrasill.ca, or pick them up, pick it up at your local health food store. For example, Whole Foods Markets, any of them carry Sierra Sill. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, James has just noted for me that a listener has called in asking me or uh, us to uh, repeat some information about the Centennial Park Conservatory Chrysanthemum Show. That runs until Sunday, November 24th, 151 Elmcrest Road from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. Admission is free, but be prepared to be wowed again by amazing displays of chrysanthemum people, vignettes, and Stanley Rosak's incredible hanging chrysanthemums and a very special five-foot-tall poppy made from over 700 red mum flower heads on display uh, tomorrow and again Monday on the weekend. And uh, you can uh, once again get to 151 Elmcrest Road and it runs until November 24th. Okay, there you go. Now, Charlie, we have another caller on Yes, we do. Yes, indeed. Hello, John. How are you? Hi, John. How are you guys? Good. Good, Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I hope, Frank, you did your exercise. I did my exercises. Oh, and I tell you, the Sierra Seal is sure working for me, too. Hey, good good stuff. Excellent. Good stuff is right. Otherwise, I'll be cracking my bones. <laughs> good testimonial. Uh, it is. 
Um, Charlie, I, uh, I'm the call that uh, I asked you a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, about the hydrated line. Right. Not hydrated. Yes, not um, hydrated. I looked at the, yes. uh, the, uh, the, uh, the thing. Yes. Um, and I, I went on the computer a little bit, and, mm-hmm. and it tells you to watch the pH level mm-hmm. and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, around 7 or 6, between 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, uh, what, what, okay, so what shall I do? Like, shall I check the pH level first? Or Definitely. Definitely. Do not add lime to your soil unless you know you need to change your pH because that's what liming will do, right? Uh-huh. Liming will raise the pH. Uh-huh. Seven is neutral. Uh-huh. And most plants, most of our garden plants, flowers, vegetables, fruits, grow, their optimal pH is between 6.5 and 7. Yeah, so yeah. neutral and just slightly below neutral, so to the acidic side of uh-huh. the pH scale. Now, by adding lime, you raise your pH. Uh-huh. So the question is, do you need to add lime? And I would yeah. never, ever add it unless you have a soil test that indicates that that is something that is required. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can make your soil very uh, a very unhappy place for plants to access nutrients. Now, uh, I, I know I know Frank won't let me do the second question, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's, it's the same. Um, where is my? Uh, I mean, where do I check the pH level? Oh, well, that's where a do good. Do I take it sort of? I know I can take a small container or something. Yep, it's a great question. Uh, you can do a simple pH test yourself. Oh, okay. With a pH test kit, which you can get at any garden center, and they certainly have them even at the Canadian Tires and Home Depots in the spring. Whether they'd have them now, I'm not sure. That's okay. the litmus paper, you know, that we did back in grade five science. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how you take a soil test is important. Uh, if you're doing, it's interesting when you're testing soils. Like if you have a big yard and you have many different gardens, then you want to do many different samples, soil samples. Uh-huh. But if you just have, say, a big vegetable garden, yeah. say it's a 20 by 20 or a 10 by 10 or whatever vegetable garden, yeah. you take samples from several locations, you mix all the samples together you, in a bucket and you've got all those you know, mixed up soil, then you take a sample from that because uh-huh. that's all the one garden. Now, um, you can send, for the best soil analysis, you send your soil to a soil lab, a soil testing lab. Uh-huh. And there is one in Guelph, at the University of Guelph. Uh-huh. Uh, there's actually two of them there. And that is the closest one for us here in Ontario. Yes. And I do don't, they charge? Do, do, do they we, do charge. Oh, they do charge. They used to be, back in the day, you know, 8 or $9 to get a full soil test. But now it's more like 25 or $30 to uh-huh. get a full test. But it is great because you fill out the form saying what it is you're trying to grow and they test it, your soil, for that soil's ability to support the growth of what you're, you know, if you're trying to grow, grow blueberries, it's very different soil chemistry than if you're trying to grow celery. Well, no, mostly it's vegetables, right? right. And, and uh, to tell you the truth, when I, when I was reading, it's talking about also, you know, about the grass, right? Mm-hmm. About the lawn. The lawn, yeah. Yep. Um, but I don't want to put, like I said, I, you know, I have a five-gallon drum, you know, so... Somebody gave me this. Yes, anyhow, I know. I don't want to use it if I don't have to. Exactly. Um, don't my use garden it. this year was, you know, a lot of people, they say they didn't take tomatoes. I had a lot of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and my my kale did great, and, and, and so did yeah. the beans. But anyhow, um, so I don't want to use don't, something, like you said, yeah. you know, that burn the soil. Now, the only thing I do with the soil now is I have so many apples, my dear, that um, I have nine bushels of apples. Holy cow. Two trees, right? So make sauce or uh, cider. Yeah, I do that. I do do, do juice. 
I, I do sauce. Uh, my wife does, um, uh, up, you know, apple uh, tarts and all that. Yeah. But anyhow, so too many, yeah. the small ones, I, yeah. I, I bury them. Yeah, yeah. I remember you told us that, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah which is fine. But and anyhow. That, but that's fine. You see, the apples won't do any dramatic changing to your pH because uh-huh. they grew on the soil, and you're just putting back into the soil what came out, right? Uh-huh. But when you add lime, you bring something from the outside into your garden, and that's going to have some dramatic results. So mm-hmm. do not use it unless you need to use it, and that'll be based on a soil so, analysis. So okay, Google... I hold you longer. No, no uh, but, so John... The, the main important thing yeah. is that... I'll get, I'll get the pH test kit, like mm-hmm. you said, either from a nursery or Canadian Tires or Home Depot. Or get a full soil analysis by Googling. So, actually, what you're going to Google is accredited soil testing lab. Accredited? Soil testing lab. And you'll, they'll come up with two locations at the University of Guelph, uh-huh. and they give you all the instructions there on how to do it. And, and, and like you said, if, 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 if I may... Uh, so let's say my garden is 15 by 25, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not just like take something from the middle. Nope, not at all. But again, all the instructions are fully there on the web once oh. you get to that accredited soil testing lab site. Okay. okay, Joe. Okay, thank you very much. You're Thanks, welcome, John. John. Thanks for joining us on the show, Boy, the he Garden was Show. Tricky, eh? He Oof, was. How sl- many questions did he <laughs> slip in there? He's a slippery one, I'll <laughs> he tell you. Sure is. <laughs> hey, he's, he's obviously a keen yeah. gardener, and we totally support keen, keen gardeners. gardeners. Well, right? now we love we, them for their passion and enthusiasm. We have a lot of first-time callers, including Norm. All right, from Kitchener. Hey, good morning, and welcome to the show, Norm. Good morning. Good morning. Um, in our front yard. We have a cactus growing. Mm. It's been there, I think we've had it there for about five or six years now. Mm. Just wondering if it has much of a root system. We'd like to move it. <laughs> no, it doesn't have much of a root system. Sorry I laughed there, but moving a cactus has its own challenges. <laughs> <laughs> you make sure you've got full leathers on before you try and move a, a, a cactus. It's probably prickly pear. Prickly pear is a flat, flat leaves with... Tons of spines. Yes. And it does get really nice little flowers. Uh, the main thing is, and it's very shallow rooted, so it's not at all difficult in terms of the digging part. It's the actual lifting it and transporting it that's the tricky part. But you will put it into a spot that is very well-drained soil, full sun. Yes. Even if it means adding some gravel to your soil in that area, just to make sure it's very well-drained. Okay. Okay. But yeah, it is. I, I can't tell you, I had prickly pear in my garden and I finally, I had to kill it because I just kept forgetting it was there and I kept running into it and it hurts. <laughs> yes, because ours is quite big now. It's probably about four feet wide by about a foot and a half. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, so you, you, and you won't be able to move that all as one chunk. That will move as, as various pieces because it will naturally break apart okay. at certain sections and you will move each section one at a time. And no harm done to it. No, not at all. But again, do use a little either transplanter fertilizer or bone meal okay. when planting just to encourage the plant to get roots down as a priority. Okay. All Sounds right. good. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Thank you. Norm. And as Norm waves bye-bye, we uh, will let you know that that frees up another line here for you to call in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the, pro- uh, the province, one 740 Four seven forty, and uh, wouldn't you know? Here is another first-time caller, Charlie. Oh Welcome, goodness. Dave from Burlington. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Welcome. Um, I'm trying to uh, keep geraniums and uh, begonias in hanging baskets. Keep them over the winter. Mm-hmm. 
what do I do with them? <laughs> Good question. Right. So, okay, have you got a really sunny location inside your home? Uh, yes. Like facing south? Uh, yes. Okay, and that's where you've put the geranium? Not The begonia doesn't have to be right in the window, but is the geranium right in the window? Uh, almost. Okay, yes, good. it hangs just behind the S. Okay. S- behind what? Curtains? No. Uh, no, no, it's open window. Okay, good. So geraniums are, are great plants that uh, only die because of the frost. They are no- We consider them annuals because they die in the frost, but they are actually perennials if you lived in Florida or Georgia because they never get knocked down. They just keep growing bigger and bigger all the time. Okay. So to bring it in your house and keep it alive as a house plant is very doable as long as it's getting enough sun. Remember, you're going to have to turn that plant in the window every week, 180 degrees, just to ensure some even growth. No fertilizer through the winter, just water as necessary, which means air on the side of too dry rather than too wet. Okay. Uh, geraniums are quite tolerant of drought, and in the winter, none of the plants are going to use the kind of water they used in the summer. Yes. They're not growing as rapidly, and of course, you know, the sun is not as intense. Okay. You do want to try and avoid drafts, hot air furnace type drafts or cold front door drafts on any tropical plants. Okay. So just try and do that. Um, keep an eye, obviously, for any bugs that might come in with it or might, in our dry homes with the hot air furnaces, we do often end up with things like spider mites and, and insects come from, we're not even sure where, but they emerge. So do, I hope you have a humidifier on your furnace because that will help moisten the air a bit or okay. spritz it every day just to try and keep the humidity a little bit higher than it is naturally. Okay. The begonia is a slightly different plant. It doesn't need as much light, so it can be a little further away from the window but still needs a bright spot. It will use even less water than the geranium. And it should not be spritzed because it has a tendency to get mildew on it if it's too uh, moist. So okay. you're going to really let that one dry between waterings. Yeah, they're still flowering. In yeah, they're great. Yeah. I know people that have geraniums that came from, you know, Great Aunt Bertha. I mean, <laughs> these have been handed down through generations sometimes. You see geraniums there, and they're great when that happens because they're often really interesting colors and shapes and flowers that uh, we don't always see. Right. So start something in your should family. I, should I cut the, uh, like they're really full and hanging, should I cut them back a little bit? You can. If it, if it all looks just a little overwhelming and weak and it's just, you know, unbalanced or anything like that, you can definitely cut them back. Okay. Uh, if you don't need to, though, don't. Just leave them alone. And some leaves are going to turn yellow. That's perfectly natural because, again, it's lower light inside. So just keep them tidy and clean because plants know when you're caring for them and sending a good mm-hmm. vibe at them and they will be very perky as a result. If you ignore them and let them be all bedraggled, then they'll often just give up, Great. The, give up the ghost. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks Thank you, for your call. Thank you for joining the show, too, for the first time round. Yeah. And matter of fact, uh, more first-time callers coming up momentarily here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And this is your ever-genial... Genial. Uh, <laughs> genial, yes. Wow, is, uh, that, is that in your job description for your fan well, club? Well, uh, I'm putting it there. Oh, you yeah. are. Yes. <laughs> you think... I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. But you uh, think genial is a good attribute? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, boy. Funny. It's tough. He smiles. It is tough. 
tough getting a little compliment out of this woman. I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, First, I'm a member of the fan club. What more well, do you want? That's right. Okay. Gee. All right. <laughs> Bernice <laughs> from Milton, welcome to the show. You have your wings. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. Great. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I planted a um, trumpet rose, I guess it's about 20 years ago, and that thing has never, flo- uh, never bloomed once. A trump- lots of foliage, nice Trum- and green, oh covers the whole arbor, but no flowers. That's a trumpet vine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so 20 years and no flowers. Yeah, not once. Boy, you are patient. <laughs> I know, I kept just <laughs> hoping it would happen, but hey... You know it was what? nice and green, so I didn't complain too much. But the reason trumpet vine doesn't bloom is the same reason sometimes that wisteria doesn't bloom is because you're taking too good of care of it. Oh. Yep. I you're wasn't just really doing anything to it, though. Well, is it near a lawn or a garden? Yeah, it's near a lawn. All right. It's and by an arbor, and it just covers the whole arbor in the summer, but it, you know, with no blooms on it. And do you or your husband uh, look after the lawn quite well and fertilize it? Yes. Yes. So that's what's happening. That trumpet vine is getting some of that lawn fertilizer. Oh, I see. Okay. And it's loving the lawn fertilizer <laughs> because lawn fertilizer supports green growth, green leaves for our lawns. Mm-hmm. And what you're ending up with is a trumpet vine that has got a lot of green leaves. Yeah, on the other side of the arbor, I have a, a climbing rose bush, and it blooms. Oh, yeah. But for some reason, yeah. that trumpet rose refuses to bloom. Yeah, I think roses are a little more um, genetically uh, programmed for flowering, mm-hmm. uh, regardless almost of the conditions, than something like trumpet vine. Trumpet vine, wisteria, they will take advantage. If there's nitrogen, they will grow leaves. That's what they will do. Okay. So if there's any way uh, for next season to avoid any fertilizer on that plant whatsoever, don't even put flowering plant fertilizer. Just keep all fertilizers away from the trumpet vine. Okay. Also, don't be afraid to give it a real hard pruning in the spring. Mm-hmm. And that pruning will often cause flowering as well. Okay. All right. And also, I have a hibiscus tree. Can I bring? Should I bring that in oh. in the winter? Yes. If oh, if it's a tropical hibiscus, yes. Yeah, yeah it is. Okay. Oh. Yep. It'll die otherwise. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And have a nice day. Thank, thank you, you Bernice. Very much, Bernice. Let us Bye-bye. let us know next year with that trumpet vine. I Give will. some flowers. Okay. okay Twenty thanks. years. Wow, yeah. that's a long time that, to wait. My gosh. I know. She's far more patient than the average gardener. I'll <laughs> oh, say yeah. that. I'd be ripping that sucker up well, right after away. about two years. <laughs> I threaten them usually for two years. I give them two, I threaten for two, and then they're done. Then they're done. Okay. Four, max. Tough love. Tough love. (laughs) Hey, Dave Redeker. He gives a big wave on the way by. The boys are coming by from Dave's Corner Garage shortly. But in the meantime, got lots more going here. uh, Mary in Pepperly is again a first-time caller. Hello, Mary. This week on Celebrity Spotlight, the music and the memories. Jackson, join me Sunday afternoon between 1 and 2 for a special edition, Remembrance Day, on Celebrity Spotlight. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. Okay, we had a little nice message there uh, in uh, regard to Remembrance Day coming up. But let's remember Mary, who is calling in from Pepperlaw and a first-time caller. Let me give you that bell again there, Mary, okay? Okay. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I have a question for Charlie Mm -hmm. about cucumbers. I planted cucumbers this year. I planted a lot. Mm -hmm. 
And at the first of the season, they came beautifully. Mm-hmm. They were big. They were green. And I was picking them and giving them to my friends. Yeah. But then in early September, I noticed that they weren't turning green. They were big. Oh and really nice, but they weren't turning green, and they I had to pick them because it was getting so cold right. up here in the nighttime. So what color were they if they weren't turning green? They were yellow. Okay. Now, do you have squashes growing in your garden as well? No. No, no squash at all. Zucchini. Nope. Because you know what? All those members of the same family... They're called the cucurbits, so you've got cucumber, squash, zucchini. They do tend to pollinate each other. So if you have them in the same garden, sometimes you get some very funny, unusual fruit on the vine because you've got, you know, a squash-cucumber uh, connection going on or a zucchini-cucumber uh, uh, connection. But if you had great cucumbers all season, I would not be at all worried about having September be kind of the end of the, the uh, rope on those because... For many people, they're lucky to get through August still getting cucumbers. Uh, they often get a bad disease called cucumber wilt, and then that's it. They get no more fruit after July. So the fact that you got a bunch of yellow ones in September, I mean, did you bring them in the house and, and continue to eat them? It doesn't really matter what color they are as long as they're ripe, right? Uh, yes, I'm going to make some pickles with it. And I got three buckets out there. Oh, great. Oh. That's wonderful. <laughs> and another thing, my tomatoes I had out just came out and died. The Last year I had tomatoes really well, but oh, this year right. they just died. Right. So this is where we talk about rotating our crops. That's what I did this year. Oh my. So that's a new location for the tomatoes and they didn't thrive. Nope. Okay. Full sun, I hope. Uh, yes. Excellent. Now, this was not a great tomato year for most of us. This oh, was a right. cold spring, a very late summer. It took a long time to warm up, for the soil to warm up and the air. And the high levels of rainfall made for very soggy conditions. So many of us who had bumper tomato crop in 2012 did not have nearly as good a crop in 2013, okay. strictly because of the weather. Now, so back to the cucumbers. They taste it very bitter, the ones that are yellow. Right. Well, that is a, a, that's connected to the season. That's the late season. The bitterness, the longer the fruit stays on the vine, the more bitter they get. So wow. that is one of the tricks with late harvesting. Even the tomatoes aren't nearly as sweet in September as they are back in August when the sun right. is more intense. So for sure, chemically, the, plant, the actual fruit is different in September than it is in August just because of lower light levels and different temperatures so what can i say i know sugar add sugar okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right and thank you very much for joining thank the show you so much Alrighty. thanks for calling have a wonderful day mary and pepper law and uh, on we go to another first time caller i can't My believe God. this is your happening. arm's getting a real work well, i know bell. so is this little bell i yeah. know chris in niagara <laughs> falls that one's for you good morning 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 uh, i love your show it's uh Really informative. Thank you. Um, my question is, mm-hmm. I did half my garden. Um, I trimmed them back in the fall, the Rosa Sharon and the Wigelia, uh-huh. uh, but I never got to the other half. Okay. So, is it too late nope. or should I wait? Um, you know what? Either of those plants can be trimmed fall or spring. It doesn't really matter. The main thing is that you do your trimming early enough in the spring that you're trimming before the, the new growth has started. 
So the buds are starting to break. Now, Rose of Sharon is one of the last plants to get growing in the spring, but nevertheless, you know it's alive. You can see the live wood and you can see the dead wood. Right away in the spring, you remove the dead and then you trim back the live to whatever shape it is you wish to make the plant and you'll find that it'll, it'll work out just perfectly. It does, you know, it's either, it's just a question of what you can, when you can fit these things in, spring or fall, when it comes to either of those plants. Oh, really? Yep. Even though it's full of those buds? Well, which the, the, on the Rose of Sharon. Okay, so what you've got on after the flowers is all those little seed pods. Right. And so some people find those kind of ornamental to leave on in the winter and then worry about trimming them in the spring. Other people say, well, I like to take them off in the fall because otherwise I have a forest of baby Rose of Sharon coming up from the seeds. Uh, so yeah, that's right. yeah, so it doesn't. But again, it doesn't really matter. I mean, either way, you they're very amenable to late to fall pruning or uh, early spring pruning. I would not recommend a lot of pruning now because of the, in the wet. If we can get some dry weather, you're fine to do pruning now. But it's got to oh. be dry. So when do I wait in the spring then? Same thing in the spring. Just do it early enough that you always do your pruning of your woody plants on a dry day. Sun must be shining. No rain in the forecast because the wounding and the pr- when you prune, you wound. The wounds w- must dry and scab over and heal up and seal off when it's raining and moist and humid. It takes very long time for that to happen and the plant suffers. Okay. Okay. Great. Good stuff. Thanks a lot. Thanks Thank you for, your for joining call. the show. Yeah. Always nice to hear from folks in the Niagara Peninsula. Yeah, your and, old uh, stomping grounds. Exactly. <laughs> you know, this is amazing. We have another first time caller coming up in just a moment. Wow. Cheryl from Toronto is going to be on the line. So hold on, uh, Cheryl. We'll be back to you in just a moment. First, these words here on the Garden Show from AM740. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And little Frankie Proctor here, too. I was going to say, yes. Just no, few. you uh, do more than just entertain. Yeah. You give the numbers. Yeah. You ring the bell. Exactly. Well, I'm going to do that. Thank you. Do you read the screen Boy, here? Reads my mind. I'm telling you, I got, <laughs> I got the little bell in hand here. And that is for Cheryl calling in from Toronto. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Morning. Hi. Um, I need to know what to do with my wisteria. It's just gone nuts and growing. <laughs> One long, really, really long vine. Oh, oh, really? Is it a fairly newly planted wisteria? Two or three years ago, mm-hmm. but in the store it had an actual flower on it Excellent. in the pot, which is why I grabbed it. That's right. Good idea. Always buy wisteria with a flower because then you know what color it is and you know that it does flower. And it has on my neighbor's side of the fence. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> it climbs over to the sunny side. It's sunnier yeah. that way, obviously. I had that with a clematis one year. It, well, it, actually, it still does it. But one year, it was just so gorgeous on the neighbor side. Mm-hmm. It was green on my side, and it was just cascading beauty, um, which I didn't realize until I was in their backyard at one point. And then I said, okay, when you come home from work and you find me sipping my martini in your backyard, <laughs> it's because I'm back here admiring my plants. <laughs> so it's just so frustrating. But, okay, wisteria is quite a responsibility. It is a very vigorous vine which loves to grow like crazy and does require pruning twice a year. Okay. Okay. And how much do I prune and when? Well, okay, so by midsummer, so right now it's obviously we're past midsummer, but by midsummer, uh, and I'm reading this from the Canadian Gardening website, Canadian Gardening website, 
uh, magazine. This is a, was published a number of years ago, but it's quite succinct the way they explain it. So by midsummer, wisterias have put on a great deal of new growth that can tangle into a big shapeless blob, encroach on nearby plants, or weigh down the supports. All three. Yeah, so don't be timid with the pruners. Prune entire plant back hard to the desired size and shape and cut thin, overcrowded stems out completely. By summer's end, new shoots will appear and replace most of what's been cut off. Uh, This is the time to select vigorous new shoots for training along wires, a trellis, or even up into a tree. And that, so of course, you missed that midsummer opportunity. So, what you could do is, uh, again, as we were saying on earlier caller, you can trim now as long as it's a dry day, or you can wait till spring and do as it indicates here. Um, That it may have impact on your flowers. It will have impact on your flowers next year by doing the trimming now. But bottom line is, I'd highly recommend that you do um, check on the web. Just uh, Google wisteria pruning and you'll get lots of different websites coming up but go to the canadian gardening one and you'll find it's quite effective because then after flowering again you're going to do a trimming as well so there's this after flowering which is early summer and then midsummer another pruning so uh now of course we're we're into sort of late fall and uh sort of to start the process you can start in the spring maybe lose some flowers along the way, but at least start with a more compact, more controllable plant. It will go right out of control if you let it. Okay. I'm trying to train it to grow on top of a fence Mm -hmm. so it sort of cascades down. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you pin it to the fence? What kind of a fence is it? It's a wooden fence. Um, there, what I've done to, to get a plant up a smooth wooden fence is I will put little tacks and run fishing line, um, invisible fishing line, and the plant will, will go up the line because it, it doesn't have suckers yeah. to hold on to the wood, but it does twirl similar to clematis. Or you can put a trellis in front of the wooden fence and it'll go up that trellis. Once it's on top of the fence, it'll, it'll just run along the top of the fence. Well, the fence is covered in a netting for the morning glories. Oh, okay. Well, that's perfect. But it's just one long vine. It goes up the end of the fence and just goes everywhere. <laughs> yes. So you're going to get out your chainsaw, <laughs> and you're going to cut that big, long stem off, and you're going to start being the master of that plant. Because if you don't take control now, it will be – you will regret it. Okay. it it's a, a lovely plant when it's maintained, but an unmaintained wisteria is a dangerous thing. Thank you very much. Okay. There's there's my lesson for this morning. (laughs) An untrained wisteria is a dangerous thing. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of plant you can have, you know, the day of the Triffids kind of bad fantasies about. Now, do we have time for one more caller? I believe we might. If we're really, oops, if we're really fast. All right. Let's see who we've got hanging on the line there. Well, it's Thelma out there in Unionville. Good morning, Thelma. Good morning. Morning. I have a, a hydrangea plant that I got for Mother's Day, Mm -hmm. and I planted it outside. Mm -hmm. It has grown to be about four feet tall because I didn't do anything with it. (laughs) I want to move it. Now, how do I go about moving it? Do I just take... Cut it back. Just cut it back to being about uh, four inches tall and then move it. 
And when you put it in its location, I'm assuming you're going to do this in the next couple of days, once you've transplanted it, get a pile of leaves or some soil and mound it up over top of the plant. As if, it, you know how we mound our roses as a kind of a protection from extreme weather? Yes. Do that to that hydrangea. And then take that all the way in the spring, of course. Does, can, you, can you transplant it in the spring? You can, uh, certainly. The advantage of transplanting or planting in the fall is that the plant is in the right location for the spring and it takes off. When we do our transplanting in the spring, the soil is cold, the plant is just waking up, everything is much slower to get going. But you have to cut it back before you move it. It'd be a lot easier to move if you cut it back and you're going to have to cut it back eventually anyway. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks and for your call. Gosh, it's been a busy show. We had what? It hour? has. A preponderance. I say a preponderance. Good word. Of the calls. Thank you. Uh, we're first, <laughs> first time, time callers, callers, which always put a little star right beside their name. So Look at that. Can I just have that piece of paper there? This so paper, so yes, the word must be out on our show. I mean, what? Well, or people are just getting braver about calling, right? Maybe so. Sometimes it's a bit yes. scary to call a, a show. It must be and... because they're welcomed by that warm voice of James Dooley. Oh, you think? When he answers, he, you know how he does it. Hello, it's the Garden Show. With yeah, he does. Yeah. Charlie and yeah. Frank. Uh, well, and by James. the way, I'm James, <laughs> and I'm single. Uh, but you know, enough of that. <laughs> All right, we have mere seconds left. I just want to tell you. Uh, guess what? I am um, doing some taping of putting the garden to bed with MZTV yeah. uh, this week, which will be broadcast on the Zoomer TV show. Uh, that's the Conrad Black Denise Donlin show. So Mondays, 9 o'clock, watch. I'll be on there, pro- not this Monday, but very soon. Hey, very good. <laughs> all right, so good stuff. Everybody, thank you, thank you. Enjoyed all your calls. Loved the first-time callers. My very good. It was amazing. Couldn't do it without you, Frank, or James. So thanks to both of you. And we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.